Hey everyone, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Today it is the 19th of January, 2023, and on today's show, a look at some Big 12 hoops. How many legit Big 12 Conference Championship contenders are there this year? Three teams tied at the top right now, K-State, Iowa State, and KU. Are they all contenders? Are there some contenders behind? And are all these teams contenders for the National Championship? Big day of hoops coverage coming your way. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Thank you guys for making us a part of your day. Make sure you all subscribe on YouTube. It really does help the show when you guys do that. Subscribe, like the videos, and comment. That really does help us out. Make sure you guys find us wherever you get your podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at LOBig12, and you guys can follow me at JoshNeighbors underscore. Excuse me. We're still going through a lot of our seasons and review. We've got Oklahoma posted. We have Texas recorded. We've got uh, UCF done this week as well. Houston and Kansas State, as well as TCU, are all coming next week. So still football coverage happening here. Also, we are waiting on a Pac-12 television deal, which give us some insight about, you know, Big 12 versus Pac-12 that will also shine some light on some expansion notes. So we're just waiting for those shoes to drop, if you will. So more coverage coming on that front. But I have to say, I've been negligent and in diving into college basketball because we've been so football heavy. I mean, if TCU had not made the, the you know, CFP final, uh, we would have, do- you know, dive dove in whatever it is dived i guess uh into basketball much earlier but because tcu was there and it drove so many storylines we had to wait but i mean if you guys are like me and you're always jones for big 12 basketball and watching every single night there are always incredibly compelling games happening and so you know that kind of gets me to where we are today now that we are i guess seven weeks away from selection sunday let's really dive in to the basketball. So where are we right now? If you're kind of like, you know, trying to get a catch up. Uh, I mean, a lot of us are watching every single night, but if you want to catch up right now, three teams are five and one in the big 12 conference, K state, Kansas, and Iowa state up next, Texas in sole possession of fourth place. They are four and two. So they're fourth place technically, but like they're one game out of first. So that kind of gives you an idea of, you know, how things are uh, at three and three TCU and Baylor. All of those teams are ranked. Those first six teams are all ranked in the AP Top 25. Oklahoma State and OU are both two and four. Oklahoma State's win last night in Bedlam pushes them technically over the top, and those two teams will meet one more time. West Virginia gets off the schneid last night against uh, TCU. That puts them at one and five. Texas Tech, the Red Raiders, Mark Adams, 0 and six in the league. They have not gotten a Big 12 win yet. We'll see if they can this weekend. So let's circle around. Let's go to the top of the league. Let's kind of talk about the this three-team battle royale at the top. And we watched an unbelievable game the other night between Kansas State and KU. K-State gets the job done in overtime. Jerome Tang, a lot of people, I think, you know, my colleague Robbie Tirano thinks that he could be the, you know, at this point in time as the coach of the year. I'm not there yet, but you have to be impressed with the job that he has done at Kansas State. Uh, Chris Budden mentions a really important note that I don't think a lot of us talk about. She said yesterday, uh, she had the game the other night, that K-State could not scrimmage 
until September because they did not have enough guys on the roster. That's what she told us. And that is really intriguing because if you guys know college basketball, those guys, you know, if you're ever around a gym during the summer, like those guys playing together when they limit practice time in the summer, it's really important. It's especially important in modern con- college basketball for continuity, right? Like I think um, Iowa State's a good example. Like they've got some transfers in, but like they, that team is, you know, a group of guys that's kind of played together. KU is a really good example. Like having a group that's played together is a massive bonus, but that's not really the way modern college hoops working, you know, is working now. It's a mixture of freshmen, old guys, and transfers. And so that, that um, you know, the the pickup that those guys play is actually like really important, especially if you have guys like Marquise Noel who seems like this amazing leader, who's a guy who's smart enough to maybe incorporate some of the stuff that they're trying to do on offense into some of those games. Now, a lot of the time, you just want to get feel for where guys are going to be and whatnot. And this team's got a lot of it. And I'll tell you what, Marquise Noel has had an excellent feel. For a guy, you know, a guy like that, I mean, his averages, I think in conference is like over nine assists a game. Look, you don't see a whole lot of that in college basketball. That is coaching, but that is also execution. It's Marquise Noel adapting to a new coaching staff, adapting to a new play style. Keontae Johnson has been an absolute star for Kansas State. This is a guy that we heard about his trials and tribulations on and off the court at University of Florida. Obviously, an unbelievable story with what happens with the heart condition. K-State clears him. And Jerome Tang has been honest about what he thought he was going to get from Keontae Johnson. He said, eh, maybe he finds his sea legs, but there's, there's just certain guys that are, that are, you know, I think it's across athletics too. Like they're just ball players. And you put Keontae Johnson on a basketball court. He is a good enough athlete and a definitely a good enough player to just adapt. He's got this really awesome inside outside game that for a guy at, you know, his height, 6'6", 230, like he does a little bit of both. He's got the size to take you down into the post. He also has the ability to go on the perimeter. And this year, 18 points a game, uh, 55% from the floor, 39 from three, and 75 from the line. I mean, we're almost talking about, you know, 50, 40, 75. For a college guy, it's really impressive. 7.2 rebounds. He's passing well, averaging over uh, a steal per game, just doing it all. And for the Norfolk Virginia native, like this is a guy that you could tell is always an athlete. That's got, that's a guy who's going to be an NBA player. That's a guy who's going to be an NBA player. You watch him with the alley-oop. The athleticism is there. You know uh, what his game looks like at the next level. I think it's really intriguing, but as the game goes smaller, you have to think that a guy like Keontae Johnson will have no problem finding his way. Also, he shoots over three threes a game, and he is making 1.2 of them. So, like, he is an effective three-point shooter. He can stretch the floor. He's going to have to shoot a bit more of those. But, hey, I'll give you guys a good comp. Maybe uh, athlete-wise a bit different. But Grant Williams, when he was at Tennessee, guys, he played a lot in the post. That He was a post player, back-to-back ACC, or SEC player of the year at Tennessee. And he was an excellent post player. But now in the NBA – He's a guy on the perimeter, does drive a good bit, but also is a guy who needs to knock down the corner three. Keontae Johnson can do a lot of that. And Jerome Tang, you know, those two guys are obviously the engine, the engine that goes, but Jerome Tang has had to empower some of the guys behind them to really get things going. And Naquan Tomlin is a phenomenal athlete, but also you saw a guy like Desi Stills come off the bench. And basically, you know, you get to a, a point where because of the way that you know, uh, uh, Desi Stills played, 
you know, not a great game for Marquise Noel. He didn't have to play that well. He had some big steals in the stretch, tell you that. But, you know, th- those were massive moments. And also, out of timeouts, they were phenomenal. The X's and O's really good. And so Jerome Tang is, is we understand, a lot of us know this, he handpicked TC, uh, Kansas State, excuse me, for a reason. He handpicked Kansas State because he has been in this league for a long time. He understands what it takes to win in Big 12 basketball. And so if you get a job in the Big 12, like sh- we are all idiots for being so shocked at how well scouted the other teams are. Obviously, the personnel changes, but he's been around some of these guys for a while now. And look, any coach who's come through this league, like he's got as much familiarity as anybody. I know TJ Otzelberger is new to the league as a head coach, but for Otzelberger, you know, uh, uh, Jerome Tang has seen him as much as anybody else has. He was an assistant at Baylor. So like, you know, it doesn't matter who's been there, where from Bill Self to, to uh, Jamie Dixon, to Otzelberger, to Adams, no matter what the duration of time these guys have been here is Tang is and his staff have seen these guys as much as anybody could. So their coaching has been excellent. And I think the, um, the messaging has been something very interesting that, you know, what we have to look at uh, about like the way he's trying to empower the fans to say, go K-State, not FKU. And um, look, like, I get it. I love it. It's part of who he is. Uh, K-State fans, you don't have to listen to him. You don't have to agree with the coach on everything. I know the coach drives the bus, and and he's using his clout right now to get up on the table and say, go K-State. And we understand that. Um, And they're winning right now, so you can do that. But, uh, you know, maybe just smile and say, thank you, Coach Tang. Thank you. No, we, we appreciate it. Uh, I know that my Missouri faithful, they're not doing the same thing. We saw last night when they played Arkansas, they had the FKU chant going in full effect. But, you know, as far as can this team contend for a championship, they beat KU, very impressive. They'll play them, obviously, later later on at Allen Fieldhouse. I'm still leaning Kansas, and that's a lot of this conversation. I'm still leaning Kansas. But when it comes to personnel, K-State definitely has the personnel. When you think about how, you know, how, Marquise Noel can go nuclear and now Keontae Johnson is just tremendous. Now, the one thing for them is they do need to find maybe a third consistent scorer. I know Tomlin's pretty good, but TCU did take it to them a little bit and Kansas state's an athletic team, but they made it a point early and often TCU did of pounding the ball at K state. Now, not a lot of teams can do that in this league, but I thought that was interesting, and it was a strategy that worked early on, helped them get out to a pretty early lead. So something to watch about how teams attack K-State, but that's a team that can play in kind of really any kind of style. They're fun to watch, too. I, I think they're fantastic. Quick word from our sponsors on today's show. Today's Locked On Big 12 podcast is brought to you all by Bet Online and BetOnline.net. BetOnline is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every pro and amateur league. There is obviously soccer happening right now. There's college basketball happening right now. There is NFL football happening right now. There's always boxing, MMA, golf is coming back now with the spring just around the corner. You can bet on all that stuff at BetOnline and BetOnline.net. It's always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more Bet online. It's where the game starts. Let's talk about Iowa State because KU will come up here in one second. But because I think we're all kind of chasing KU. They have that right. They are the defending Nash champions. They have a lot of guys back from that team. They've added some other players. Obviously, they lost some too. Iowa State, though, TJ Otzelberger is my coach of the year. 
the personnel on that team, um, I would say bottom three or four in the league. And I, I don't mean to be, and this is one of the best leagues in the country. So like, what does that actually mean? Right? Like, okay, they're bottom three or four personnel, whatever. They're five and one. They're 14, three overall. Hilton Coliseum is a fortress. It is a fortress. It is a incredibly difficult place to go and play. This is a team that is 206th in the country in scoring offense. But, and that's, that's crazy. They're averaging 71 points a game. They're allowing 58.5. They are like nearly top 50 in assists and aren't a great rebounding team. Um, but what this team does is they they are so freaking good on the perimeter. And they're so good at sharing the basketball. They've got five guys who average at least uh, eight points a game. And they, you know, they're a team, once again, I mentioned they pass the ball a lot. Like this is a team that's made their money shooting the three ball pretty well, almost 36% from three. They're 46 in the floor. They spread it around and Gabe Kalsher has become a consistent weapon for them. Yes. Jaron Holmes is their leading scorer. Sure. But Gabe Kalsher to me is the guy who's hitting big shot after big shot. He was the guy against Texas the other night that really felt like it got them going. And so Otzelberger uh, has been doubted last year. He was doubted this year, but this guy was made to coach at case uh, at Iowa state uh, this team being top 15 in the country is not remarkable. I mean, I think they kind of expect that, but for Otzelberger now he's at 35 wins, <clears throat> excuse me, and just 15 losses. And look, the thing for them last year, guys, uh, that back end of the conference schedule did not go well. They lost uh, three straight games to close out conference play. And then they made the tournament and that defense, they held LSU to 54, I know they had the Will Wade situation going on. They then held Wisconsin to 49. Wisconsin will play that style. They were fine. And then Miami eventually did beat them. But for them, you know, their defense was tremendous. Last year, it showed up this year. Will they sustain? I I don't think so because, you know, you trust other guys on the other teams to get the job done. But they were making some shots late with KU. They forced KU to play their game. And look at what's happened for them in conference schedule. They beat Baylor by 15 at home. They went on the road and beat OU. They went on the road and Kalsher hits that shot. They got TCU at a great time on the road. They played TCU the same day that TCU football played Michigan. So kind of a nice spot to catch them in. They hammer Texas Tech at home. They were right in it to the very end against KU. And then Texas comes to their building. And guys, they, they were fantastic, especially at the end of the first half. Texas got a double-digit lead in that game, but what did Iowa State do? They were bearing down on defense. There was a seven-and-a-half-minute stretch, I believe, to close out the first half where they did not allow a basket. And although Iowa State's offense was not firing in all cylinders, it got them into within, I think, a point at that, at that point in time, and they were able to cross that bridge, get over the hump, and get the job done in that game. And, uh, you know, that's a really good offensive team, I, I believe the Texas Longhorns are. And so their defense has fallen off a little bit, Texas, but they were able to get them at that point. So Otzelberger's done a great job. Their schedule is, um, you know, I, I actually think I like the way things break for them. Like they don't have any stretches that are absolute monsters consecutively. I think we look at that Tech at KU Texas stretch as difficult. This weekend, it's games like this at Oklahoma State at 2 o'clock on ESPN+. That's the kind of game, guys, that is going to define whether or not Kansas, uh, whether or not Iowa State can contend. You uh, KU wins games like that. 
We'll see if K-State wins games like that. Teams that win the league win games like that. Can Iowa State win games like that? You know, when they then defend home court in the turnaround against Iowa, uh, against Kansas State, then they have to go play Missouri. Then the quick turnaround, they'll go Saturday uh, at Missouri, then Monday at KU or at Texas Tech, rather. And so it's handling those turnarounds. I know Missouri's not a conference game, but it's, it's kind of handling those stretches. Can they then go on the road? They've done a good job on the road so far, right? With their uh, the two road wins back to back by combined five points. I mean, uh, you know, on the road right now, they've got a three point win at OU, a two point win against TCU, and a two point loss at Allen Fieldhouse. So they've been very, very good on the road. I've loved watching this team work. And Otzelberger, my coach of the year at this point in time. That brings us to Kansas. The Kansas Jayhawks, guys, um, I really enjoy watching this team play. And I know the other night, the one thing that hurt, see what hurt them the other night against K-State, what hurt them the other night against K-State was some of their late game offense, generally not as good as it normally is. Fran Fraschilla said in during the broadcast, made a great point, that Bill Self is normally worth, I think he said three to five baskets a game, a lot of his out of bounds stuff or out of timeout stuff. Now, that was not the case here. If you saw what happened, they had a couple plays. They really just did not execute. And they ended up in turnovers. The end of uh, regulation. They did not get the shot. Uh, I think, let's see. I'm trying to think. They don't see a shot off there. Uh, turnover in the last possession of the game, a turnover as well. And they had another one too. And so also the timeout when Jalen Wilson bombed a three. Just uncharacteristic. I think they'll get that stuff straightened out. The one thing, though, is that I need Dewan Harris to be a bit more aggressive. Uh, that guy can score. He is a really strong three-point shooter. And this year, he shot at around, he's 44% from three this year. That's actually, he's 47 from the floor, 73 from the line. But the thing is, this is not a guy who shoots a lot. They need him to shoot more. They need him to shoot more often, in my opinion. And I think if they want to continue to win, you know, win games at a high clip, like he's going to be better. Now, he was one for six from three, but it felt like, there were moments where stuff was open for him and he still just decided not to take it. He had 11 assists in that K-State game, but he uh, he scored only three points and had four turnovers. So that was difficult. Kevin McCullough did not play well. And obviously kind of gets the one point. They lack depth. They, they lack serious depth. But I don't know how many games where you're going to get a goose egg from McCullough, a nearly goose egg with four turnovers from Dewan Harris, and then also Grady Dick playing as bad as he did. That team just, you know, and, and look, Kansas has uh messed around some in games this year it's why that while they're deserving the number two ranking um they in the net they're like sixth or seventh but when you watch them play they're winning all of these really close games because eventually they turn it on they do turn it on but they have a problem with messing around for long stretches of games do i think this will persist no i mean actually this team is is in terms of resume is doing better than last year's team was. But you think about the, uh, you know, the the two-point win against Oklahoma State, three-point win at West Virginia, right? Four-point win against OU at home. And again, they were down like, what, eight, eight points with three or four minutes left to go in the game. Iowa State by two, and they were trailing. They were down 15-16 against KU, against K-State. So this team has a big problem with that, even at home. They have not lost a home conference game in a long time, and I think that's the big equalizer for them. But listen to the stretch coming up for them. They had uh, so this is the the, the teams they play: Iowa State number fourteen, at K State number thirteen, home for TCU number fourteen, at Baylor number twenty one, at Kentucky, who's playing good basketball now. Thirteen Kansas State at home, 
at Iowa State, who's number 12. Texas, number seven of the country, that's at home. They have a brutal stretch coming up here, and I'm, I'm excited to see how they handle it. It might take some knocks, but if they take one or two losses, I think I still like their chances to become Big 12 champions. That's who everybody is chasing. The one thing for them, though, is that this team is one injury away from being in a really difficult spot. I mean, if Jalen Wilson goes down, this team is they're going to be in some serious, serious trouble. But like even a Grady Dick goes out. I mean, you know, do I trust Joseph? Yes. I like him as a player. I've always kind of been team. Yes. love the lefty stroke, but does that guy you trust is Pettifer a guy you can trust, right? Uh, they're not very good at the big man spot. Not a lot of depth there. So I think this is a team to beat in the big 12. Still the reigning Nash champions, obviously two time Nash championship coach. I think we're all chasing them. But at this moment in time, you know, you do have to be worried about their depth. I still, though, I'm on that KU bandwagon. I'm still because that that is an impossible place to go in and win. Allen Fieldhouse teams have come close. Oklahoma State was close. Oklahoma was close. Iowa State was close. But guess what? They didn't win. Uh, you really have to take it to them. And Kentucky did that last year. But Big 12 teams predominantly have not gone in there and won. And <clears throat> I think it's a bit easier to go in there on a something would say, well, you're used to playing there. Um, you know, maybe other Big 12 teams should have it easier when they go into Allen Fieldhouse. No, it's not the case because you get it in your head because teams don't win there very often, right? So it's easier for Kentucky, who go, does not go there very often, to go in there and win, especially the guy like Oscar Shibway, player of the year. And it is, you know, for uh, Iowa State, who's got, you know, obviously they don't, you know, that's not a place they win a whole lot or anybody. I mean, nobody really wins there a whole lot. You guys understand the point here. So their home floor, also a fortress, uh, they're going to have to keep it that way the rest of the way here in the Big 12. Today's Locked On Big 12 podcast is brought to you all by Built Bar. Looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all of the fat and the calories? Then you need to try Built Bar. We just got through the holidays. My goal in 2023 has been to eat a little bit healthier. And if you guys still want that great taste, but you don't want, once again, the fat and the calories, and you want some more protein for things like workouts, then Built Bar has got you covered. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. They come in unbelievably uh, awesome flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. They have them all. And now you can go to Walmart and pick them up. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up uh, a four box if you'd like to. They've got uh, cookies and cream, double chocolate or coconut puff. And also at Sam's Club, you can get the 13 pack, which I highly recommend. So Sam's Club and Walmart now, as well as Built.com, have you covered with Built Bar. Other teams, the standings that we're looking at, and and I want to mention Texas here. The job Rodney Terry has done. The way that Texas has turned the corner, you know, after, look, they cut Chris Beard loose. It was the best thing for the team and the players. I think it's pretty clear that team has moved on. They're a top 10 team in the country. They should be. They're 15 and three overall. They're 11 and one at home. Uh, you know, they're, they're two and one away. You know, they played a lot away. And they're right now four and two in the league. So you're cool with where Texas is. Hilton Coliseum, tough place to play. It's one of those, the road team gets a lead and then, you know, things go a little bit sideways for them. Um, But all of their losses this year, guys, they lost against Illinois. That's going to be a tournament team. They lost to Kansas State by 13. It was a back-and-forth game early on in the Roddy Terry tenure. And then the the, uh, Iowa State game, they lost by 11, but a game they were winning in. Right? So I'm really excited. And they've got a fun stretch coming up. They're uh, starting the 28th at Tennessee, who's number nine. Baylor at home at K-State and at KU. 
Oh boy, good luck with that. That's why I don't think they're, I just don't see them as, as a caliber team that can win at all. A team that can, though, but shout out to Roddy Terry and those guys have bought in. I, I want to see what that team develops in late February. And I'm very excited to see once we get them on a neutral court what they kind of look like. Another team I'm curious about, Baylor. I think Baylor's got a really good shot to get hot. They've won three in a, uh, three in a row right now after taking three straight losses. They lost at Iowa State by 15. They lost to TCU by one at home. They lost to Kansas State by two at home. They got back, uh, went on the road. They beat West Virginia by five. Then they beat Oklahoma State by 16. Then they beat Texas Tech on the road. They got OU on the road. And then KU, Arkansas, Texas. That's a really interesting three-game stretch. I could see Baylor getting hot here. They're getting healthier. And Keontae George, guys, is, is a – I've said this a bunch – Know his numbers aren't the flashiest overall, but that guy is a professional scorer. That is what he does. That is what he will do for most likely many years in the NBA. 40% on the floor, not excellent. 36 though from three, which is great for an 18-year-old. 81% from the free throw line. This guy is a professional scorer. I'm wondering, I think Scott Drew, I think that group can get very, very hot. TCU's the other team I like a lot. So I, I think if anybody can come from behind right now, not out of the pack, I actually think it's Baylor. I think the Baylor Bears have a shot to come from behind and stick their nose into the Big 12 championship race. But, um, you know, I, I would say, like, once again, they are coming from behind and they have not been healthy the entire year. And I'm also not even sure they still even, you know, they know who their best five are at this point in time. That is a group, I think, as a good shot. The team that's not going to win the Big 12, but I think has a great chance in the NCAA tournament if they can kind of keep up the level of play and find some more, you know, a bit more consistency in some places is TCU. TCU is 14 and four. They're fifth in the league at three and three. But I think what I love about them the most is they are three perimeter guys. Well, perimeter guys, they are three guys that they can run at you that are really scary. When they have Mike miles, Damian ball and Emmanuel Miller on the floor together, it's a pretty horrifying prospect for opposing teams. Because the length, because the athleticism, because the scoring, because the finishing. Also adding a guy like Eddie Lampkin in that. You got guys uh, like Peavy and, you know, Chuck O'Bannon, who's played a lot of basketball. They've got a lot of experience. This is a team that I think because their home court advantage might be the close to the worst in the league. Uh, I put it second, maybe, to Lloyd Noble. Like, they'll win a lot of home games because they're a good basketball team. But I think their home court advantage is not as good as some other places in this league. as a lot of other places in this league. It might hurt them some, but also I think they can score some road wins. I know they got they got tossed around a little bit last night against West Virginia, but that was a it was a one possession game with like three and a half minutes left to go. They cut into that lead that was at seventeen at one point. They do need to be more organized at times. There are times they're a little helter helter skelter, a little too loose with the basketball, but they've got guys who off the bounce can create their own shot. And they lost three of their last four, but I saw they did against Kansas State, and I'm still pretty high on this team. And you think about who they've played guys in conference. At Baylor, Iowa State, at Texas, K State, and then uh, at West Virginia, and they have at KU. So, like, they have a brutal stretch to start off before things do even out just a little bit for them. But I still think this TCU team has a very good chance at going deep in the tournament. Win the Big 12? No. Deep in the tournament? Yes. All right. Uh, more hoops coming your way. We'll have a hoops preview tomorrow and Friday as well. In addition to another show, we'll have the Texas. Season recap coming y'all's way uh, tomorrow. So make sure you guys check. Actually, we'll do Kansas State tomorrow. It's Kansas State tomorrow. Excuse me. Make sure you guys check that out. Follow us on Twitter at LO Big 12. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. 
Make sure you guys, uh, once again, find the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, like the videos, subscribe. Till next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.